0: hello film lovers well it's been one hell of a year so far but fear not the cinemas have reopened hollywood has switched back on the cameras and the streaming services are pumping out content like there's no tomorrow if you need a shining light to guide you through the latest releases or help you discover a new classic movie gem then you've come to the right place we're back Wap out those cinematic snacks and welcome to the return of the Films I Love Most Podcasts.
1: It is 9 a.m. in the Midwest in the United States. Two o'clock in dun, London. Dun. Indeed it is.
0: And we are here to talk about British comedy while I eat cherry tomatoes and on ham.
1: And I'm not going to try to eat while I'm talking, but I am eating <laughs> pancake. <laughs> I am eating pancakes and uh, sausage biscuits.
0: Okay. Well, we need to give each other a little indication about when I'm we're about to eat so that we can talk okay. for an extensive amount of time. So I'm literally about to pop a tomato
1: in my mouth. So over to you. I am. I know people are probably wondering, hey, how is a American going to talk about British com- comedy? I say. Steve. Steve. Yeah. Yes. How
0: is an American going to talk about British comedy?
1: I will tell you. <laughs> 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 but it's kind of a narrow window, so you're going to have to educate me on the other stuff that I missed. Like I did watch. Uh, I've been extremely busy, but I did. I was able to watch almost a full episode of Faulty Towers. Okay. And, and I do have to say, I am hooked. You are cr- you were correct in your assumption.
0: <laughs> I knew I would be. As a massive fan of Monty Python, there is absolutely no way that you were not going to love Faulty Towers.
1: It, it it's it's a beautiful thing, and I cannot. I'm still ashamed. Be I'm still ashamed of myself for not not picking up on that well
0: i think if you, it's such a cultural thing for us faulty towers
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know there was the, the thing that shocked me about faulty towers the most was that there is only 12 episodes i thought there were hundreds of episodes because they used to show like the episodes all the time and i'd watch them and because they're so rewatchable and so much happens in them that you forget things, right? So even though I've I'd probably seen an episode before. Give it two, three years down the line, I would watch it and go, oh, "I don't, know, I don't know, I've seen this one," because there's so much that happens in them, you know,
1: right? Yes, that's what that's what I found out with, like with the uh, when we were talking before about how things translate over, good and bad. And I thought The Office because it's basically it's basically the British version translated to America. And I think it, I, I think they did it really good because much like you were talking about, you miss things in the office. There was, there's so much going on that it's very re- rewatchable to the point of where you're like, Oh, I missed a lot. Like I missed a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. If
0: the script is fast and furious and you're you writing punchlines left, right and centre. Right. You know, you have to go back and rewatch these things because they are ultimately more enjoyable the
1: second, third time through. Yeah. So uh, it's it's. Um... It's fun to me. Like, I I told you before how much I, I'm in love with comedy. Like, it's – and I used to be very narrow in, in what things that I appreciated. But as I got older, um, it's opened up completely. Yeah. Oh, were, did, were you still eating? <laughs>
0: when your sense of humour sort of develops and you learn about what makes you laugh, you know whether you've got black sense of humour, whether you've got, um, you know, if you like slapstick or whether you like, you know, Fast and Furious, like one-liners. Right. I think once you discover that, you know, you can tailor, tailor make your comedy viewing quite easily. But I think with British comedy,
1: it just incorporates everything. Right. And, and I think um, the one big difference because when like I, I told you the story about how I got introduced to Monty Python uh, was my brother and I, I already had in my young you know mind I already had it kind of set with what comedy was supposed to be. I think that's why I fell in love with Monty Python was it, I don't know. It broke all the rules that uh, I had in my he- head as things being funny. Yeah. So,
0: even though this, this conversation is called British comedy, I think we can link it very well to American comedy. So, you're saying that Monty Python broke the
1: rules that you were used to. Well, at that point, what were you used to? Um. Kind of, I wasn't really opened up to the stuff that really you know, like changed my mind, you know, life, uh, until I got a little bit older and um, not too much older though, because I remember uh, sneaking my first copy of uh, Richard Pryor live. Oh wow! And, and that shattered every like <laughs> that. Yes, Which that shattered everything. Which live was it? Oh, my God. It was one of the it was one of the first ones that he did. OK, a, f- a friend of mine's brother had it and he lent it to me. Yeah. And I remember hiding in the basement listening and every noise I heard, I would shut it off because I thought, you know, oh I'm going to be in trouble.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's not his language is very colorful.
1: Right. And so at I that time happened. I would have been in, in big trouble had I been caught listening to that. Really? Yes. Yes. But with the but with Monty Python, like it broke it it made me understand the di- like the subtle differences in comedy where you guys I think are more willing to throw caution to the wind. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, it doesn't matter what they make fun of. I notice, and 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 all their skits, like it would go one direction, and then by the end of the skit, it's in a completely uh, different direction. And I loved it. Yes.
0: No, I know what you mean. It's um, with Monty Python. It's about the absurdity, but it's also the unpredictability. So you're right That's it. it usually starts off in a very familiar setting, especially for like those living in small villages in the UK. (laughs) It starts off with, you know, an old lady going into the post office or, you know, um, an educational video about how not to be seen. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And ends in, you know, cold-blooded murder. (laughs) Right. And it's hilarious. Like, (laughs) It's the
2: funniest <laughs> thing
0: ever. But also it's the um it's the establishment as well. They really poke fun at, you know, right. Like established figures, wherever I mean they if you think about Monty Python, they are, you know, if you look at their private lives, they are, you know, privately educated Cambridge boys who came together right. and formed this friendship, but then went on to really poke fun at the the world that they came from.
1: Right, exactly. And I, mean, I think they pulled it off so well is because they came from it. They knew it from the inside. Yes. No, I agree with that.
0: You know, if you write what you know, you know, when you're right. writing anything. But um so did do you find that there is quite a few people in the States that are fans of Monty
1: Python, or do you think it's quite a small collective no, I I think that uh, I I it may it may not be huge like it may not be gigantic, but because um, some people here will never get British Hubert. <laughs> yeah, it it, w- it won't happen. But um, I was watching the one of the last uh, get-togethers that they all had, and um, I was really amazed when they were talking about coming over here uh, and doing some things, um, how much of a like following they had.
0: Oh, wow. Yes. I mean, you watch their live show uh, live at the Hollywood bowl.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, we've got
0: hundreds of people there all dressed in the characters, costumes, and they obviously know, you know, the show inside out. Right. And that's fascinating to me.
1: It is to me too.
0: You know, when you know about the, you know, the genesis of Monty Python and how, you know, they really had to fight for it to be put onto the BBC because the BBC didn't really get it. And, you know, it was, it was put onto BBC2, the, the channel that is more for, like, experimental programs. Right. You know, you've got BBC1, which is mainstream. And then you've got BBC Two, where the BBC usually put programs that they're not quite sure about. Right. So, for example, you, Gavin and Stacey, a show that we talked about last time, uh, started off. It's actually gone to like three different channels in its time. It started off on BBC Three, which is more um, youth programming. And then when, it be- when the first series became quite popular, then it moved to BBC Two. Because the BBC knew that it was popular but still weren't quite sure about it. And then for the for the third series and all the Christmas specials subsequent, they've all been primetime BBC One because they know how popular it is now. So I don't think Monty Python ever made the jump to BBC
1: One. And but, do, do you think they're better off for it? I mean, do you think things would, be, yeah. would have been different?
0: Well... Let me say, there was a programme when I was growing up, it was called This Life, and it was basically about a group of young um, law students who lived in a flat, and it was really, mm-hmm. like, controversial, you know, like, there was, like, a gay couple, there were people taking drugs, it was quite sexy, there was, like, you know, sex scenes in it and things like that. It was, it was on BBC Two, and, mm-hmm. you know, we all, we all went to BBC Two at nine o'clock on a Thursday to watch it, because we knew that it was naughty and a little bit un- anti-establishment, you know? So right. I think that Monty Python had that same sort of thing. You know, like, mum and dad probably thought it was utter, ridiculous nonsense right. that the kids <laughs> would sneak off and watch it in the other room on BBC Two, you know? So I think yeah. that it it is all the better for it because it was almost, it almost added to the... um to the absurdity of it that you know it was slightly buried in the schedules right but people still went out and found it and watched it religiously
1: and i think that's so cool because that's a sign of how good like how good it is is if if, if it's going to be trying to be you know tucked away or whatever and people are still you know able to find it or you know wanting to search for it that's that's to me, is like a, a flag that, you know, okay, I need to check this out. Yeah, definitely.
0: And there's nothing better for publicity and for promotion of a show than, by the way, kids, watch this show because your parents will not want you to watch it. Right, exactly, yeah. There's a taboo there's there. A marketer, right. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like the cigarette of a TV show, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little bit naughty, a little bit silly, a little bit near the knuckle, and your parents will not want you watching it. So therefore, what do you want to do when your parents tell you not to do something? You want to do it. Exactly. Yeah. The only experience really I've had that in my life was with, um, because I don't know whether you know, but the Exorcist film was banned in the UK right up to, I think, 2003. Are you
1: serious? I did not know I, um, that.
0: 100% serious. So <clears throat> in the 80s and the reason why, I'll tell you the reason why I know this So, right, I'm so versed in this subject it's slightly going off from British comedy but there is another reason why we will talk about it but um, <clears throat> in the 80s Margaret Thatcher was um, in power and a lot of the conservatives were worried about the rise of VHS and the Children would be able to consume uh, material at home, and there was no classification for it.
1: So what they oh, did okay. was
0: they put together a list of what they what eventually became known as the Video Nasty List, and it had <laughs> loads of films, and they banned them all. Wow. And the reason why I'm I know this so much is because my mother was a police officer for thirty five years and was on the Video wow. Nasty Task Force. <laughs> So she used to go around and kick doors in like, you know, like some sort of episode of Law and Order just to confiscate <laughs> an, a VHS copy of Evil Dead.
1: Wow. Is this blowing that your mind? That is so interesting. That is, that's, <laughs> that's crazy.
2: Yeah.
0: And, you know, it was it was more horror films that were, um, targeted, but there were like some comedy um films on the list as well, especially like the more lured comedies from the eighties. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, sort of not necessarily, you know, a weekend at Bernie's sort of thing, but the you know, when that film became popular there was loads of knockoffs that went just way too far. Do you know what I mean? So Right, yeah. yeah. There was loads of comedies on the list as well that weren't um allowed to to be consumed by us, you know, poor little kids at home just watching Disney films because nothing else was a bit vi- was available, and um,
2: or,
1: or the interesting stuff would get would get
0: <laughs> taken from you. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're sitting there, you're holding on to your to your copy no. of Critters of Critters for dear life. <laughs> Please, I just want to watch Critters. Um, now, give it uh, to me, you're very naughty boy. <laughs> but yeah um and then in 2003 um the bbfc which is the classification um british brook british um something of of classification and they basically uh. allow films to be released uh the law about video nasties was retracted and then the films were obviously allowed to be consumed and the exorcist was on the list since it first came out in the 70s and then we could finally watch it in 2003 but having a police officer in the family i brought i think at least six or seven copies of the exorcist on vhs that kept getting (laughs) found and and disposed of before i actually ever got to watch it I used to come home from school. My mum used to say, uh, found your copy of The Exorcist in your bottom drawer. <laughs> you know, all, all my friends were getting, I found that porn mag, you know, right. like that porn magazine under the bed. And there's me trying to hoard a, um, a video copy of The Exorcist. So in the end, it took me seven <laughs> copies to work this out. But I brought it, took it out of the box. And I remember so clearly right now thinking right how can i hide this and i swapped it in the box with the never ending story
1: <laughs> that's amazing that is a great story oh my god yeah so god so for, I mean, i've
0: got two i've got two younger siblings god forbid if any of them had any interest in watching never ending story because they <laughs> would have um,
2: they would have been a
0: been... slight shock <laughs> Yeah, they would have been traumatized. Exactly. The power of Christ (laughs) compels you. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This isn't a never-ending story.
0: Although I'm not being funny, I was actually more traumatized by the never-ending story than I ever was by The Exorcist. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. But there was, you know, like my my mum's quite... Picky about the things that she likes to watch, and she does not like Monty Python. I have to say, when I was younger, and I was—I don't know what it is. I think it's the silly humor. I don't think right. I I think that you know, being in a job where you have to be, you know, quite professional, and you see the dark side of human nature. Right, right. I think sometimes to get uplifted by a man bashing a parrot on the uh, right on the counter. (laughs) It's not pining for the fields. (laughs) It's passed on. (laughs) Um, Or the the Ministry
1: of Silly Walks.
0: Ministry of Silly Walks. I mean, people still do it. I mean, it's a very fine line between getting John Cleese's funny walk right and not looking like Hitler. Right. It's so, you know, some people try and do Ministry of Funny Walks and you're like, oh, that's really near the knuckle now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Do um, not try this at home. Do not try this at home. But my favourite Monty Python sketch of all time has to be uh, the argument sketch. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, shut up, you festering gob, you tit. (laughs) Your type <laughs> makes me puke, you vacuous toffee-nosed melodonious perverts. <laughs> oh, sorry, I came in here for an argument. Oh, sorry, this is abuse. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Don't give me that, you snotty face heap of <laughs> parrot droppings.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. And it's still as funny today, it, to me, as it was when I first saw it.
0: Yes, of course, and that just the ultimate line is. Sorry, is this the right room for an argument? I told you one. <laughs> no, you haven't. Yes, I have. When? Just now? No, you didn't. Yes, I have. No, you didn't.
1: <laughs> and that's it's what that's, that's what made it so good is I, they would take the most mundane situations and turn yeah. them on their head, and it was hilarious. Yeah,
0: but my favorite line in that. In that sketch, isn't <clears throat> like the fact that they're arguing. It's the fact that it's when John Cleese comes out of character for a minute, and he's and he's like, "No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Oh, sorry. Uh, is this just five minutes? Oh, yeah, just five minutes. Okay, thank you. Do you know what I mean? It's that moment when he just comes out of character for that that second. I just find it absolutely hilarious.
1: Oh my god, it's brilliant. Like,
0: Right, you've come in here for an argument, but let's get the, uh, you know, the bureaucracy, the uh, the
1: paper, <laughs> you know,
0: the, the paperwork done first, and then we can start the argument again. I, I love it so much, that
1: sketch. It's so oh, good. yeah. Uh, mine, one of mine, well, one of mine, because I can't, I can't nail down one that's my favorite. Like, there's too many that I just absolutely love. But I remember watching it the first time and crying, laughing so hard. But yet, I thought to myself, this is the most random thing ever, was the uh, newlyweds going to the uh, department store, <laughs> oh, <laughs> looking, for, looking yeah. for a mattress, and he's like, uh, please, whatever you do, don't say mattress. And he's like, what? Yeah. That's what we're looking for. No, 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 no. Please, whatever you do, <laughs> say so say dog kennels <laughs> <So> <laughs> the guy comes up and he's uh, yes may I help you uh, yes we're, we're look, looking we're looking for dog kennels <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah second, second floor no 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 dog kennels <laughs> and the guy's like oh dear lord what has he told you
0: <laughs> my Alexis just propped up for some reason uh,
1: um yeah, I mean, is it's
0: um that is such a British thing, though, you know, right? Like, right, that is definitely playing on the um the absurdity that there are some things that we find it very strange to go into any establishment and ask for. Like, I mean, God, you know, people walking into pharmacies and asking for condoms would never mm-hmm. happen in the UK. <laughs> in, in fact, there was a study done that one of the most shoplifted um items in the uk are condoms wow because we just will not ask (laughs) (laughs) i refuse but it's not even about asking either it's about going purchasing and then taking them up to the counter (laughs) and having to pay for some reason there's something in the british consciousness that just will not allow us to do that Personally, I have no problem. In fact No,
2: you
1: know, I wouldn't either I,
0: I look around and actively make sure that everyone knows that I'm buying
1: cars. Right. Because it's it's to me, my mindset is this is proving that you are <laughs> getting Who some are you? <laughs> Yeah, you're getting you're getting some
0: action. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? But uh, unfortunately I am unique in the fact that um I am a british person that absolutely has no qualms about buying contraceptives in a, in a you know pharmacy <laughs> whereas my younger brother I think would rather would rather just cro- cro- like go into a ball and hide in the corner and rock right. than do that so i think that that sketch about you know going and oh don't ask for a mattress or don't yeah. ask for something really mundane do you know what I mean? And making an absolute fool of yourself to me definitely plays upon the fact that here in the UK we just it, we would rather just you know like evaporate than oh, go. In oh and great! Ask for certain things. Yeah. Oh, or great. ask for help.
1: Oh great! Now we're gonna have to stand in a box and sing. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We've got a voice message. I'm uh, scared. Can you do, do it? it? Do it. Okay. Yeah, Mate, my nan's in the car <laughs> I'm so glad I hope your nan's having a lovely day In the car <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that whatever Ridiculous voice messages we get As long as they're from a British person We can put it under the, our title of this chat
1: Right <laughs> I think that's safe
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if that was a a quote from anything, but if it was, it was very funny.
1: I want to bring up something. Okay.
0: For you you to... your lunch?
1: For you to educate me on, because I have tried. I have tried very hard to watch this person, and I do not like him. Do you Um, know who... Do you know what? Can we do something? Can we say the
0: name together after 3?
1: And see if we're right.
0: Yeah. Okay, are you ready?
1: Yes. One, One two, two three, three. Rowan James Atkinson.
0: Corden. Oh no. <laughs>
1: Who
0: did you say?
1: Rowan Atkinson.
0: Oh wow. Okay. No, we were we were definitely not on the same page.
1: uh uh-uh. uh I thought we were.
0: Yeah, I thought we were going to be on the same page then. But then I said James Corden. Mm. <laughs> um, okay, Rowan Atkinson. So, obviously, his appeal comes from the fact that he played a character that was so brilliantly conceived. A character that literally it's the physicality of Mr. Bean. Mm-hmm. That is... Brilliant because that can be sold to any country in any with any language and still be relatively funny. Do
1: I, know I what don't think? know what's I don't know what's wrong with me.
0: You don't find Mr. Bean funny?
1: No. I what, try what is it
0: about him? Do you find him irritating more than funny? Yeah,
1: I, yeah it's more irritating to me. I found myself being frustrated. Okay. What because of
0: his character and his exploits are just too
1: ridiculous i don't i don't know i don't know if it's just the personality that i can't get past but yeah. it, and i tried it wasn't like one and done like i tried i was like okay maybe it was just the mood i was in or or whatever and i tried again and i couldn't get past it
0: I mean, he is a bit of a, a national treasure, so I have to try. Oh yeah, and that's why I'm
1: like, wow, why? What? What's wrong with me? Is there something? <laughs> There's something wrong with me. I
0: love the fact that you're um, you're putting all of the um,
1: responsibility and pressure on yourself. Right, because I know how big, like how big a deal he. Is. It wasn't like he's just like some, uh, you know, like back backdoor, like, British comedian, you know, it's... yeah. uh, He he was a big deal. Okay, well, I've I've
0: considered my response, and here it is. So, personally, for me, Rowan Atkinson isn't Mr. Bean. Rowan Atkinson, for me, is Blackadder. Have you ever seen Blackadder?
1: No, I have not.
0: Okay, if you watch Blackadder, your, um your view on Rowan Atkinson will change completely. Really? So Blackadder, it's four seasons. Each season is set in a different time period. So I would say the first series of Blackadder is actually the weakest. And whenever I recommend Blackadder to anyone, I actually say to skip the first series because none of the series are related to each other. The second season is set during Elizabethan... Um, times in england and is absolutely brilliant okay absolutely brilliant the third season is set during uh, the regency times the creation of parliament which is also very 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 funny but my favorite is the fourth season which is set during in the trenches during world war 1
1: oh dear lord
0: and what i love about it so much is it takes the complete absurdity of their situation and turns it into an absolutely brilliant, scathing comedy series. Oh, wow. It has some of the best one-liners in any British comedy. It's silly humour. It's got that silliness of Monty Python in there, but also has that hard-hittingness of what those men would have had to have done in the trenches. There's a brilliant, brilliant sequence where Blackadder's talking to Baldrick, who's his, you know, right-hand man. And Baldrick is just disgusting. <laughs> he's just like... Um, he's the human personification of a rat, really. He's <laughs> just like... <laughs> and he's so thick. You know, one of Baldric's best lines, they're all having a conversation, Baldric Baldrick says they were talking about um like religion or something and then baldric says my dad my father was a nun and, <laughs> and blackadder's like no he wasn't baldric and he went yeah yeah he was my father was a nun and he's and, Bald- and blackadder said how do you how did you come up with that conclusion and baldric says well whenever he was in court and the judge asked him what was his occupation he used to say none. <laughs>
1: Okay, now that sounds sounds like I should give that a try.
0: Yeah, and there's like the one-liners that Rowan Atkinson does as Blackadder is brilliant. By the way, can I just say that the series was written by two brilliant writers, um, Ben Elton, who wrote a a British series called The Young Ones and went on to write We Will Rock You, the the Queen musical. And Richard Curtis, who you will know, I'm sure, for writing such British comedies as Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, Love Actually, About Time. um, And there's one more that I can't think. I'm sure there's one more that he's written that I can't think of. His most famous ones are like Love Actually and Notting Hill and things like that. No, But he wrote it. But the one liners of Rowan Atkinson are just playing Blackadder are brilliant. And there's one that I've used all the way through my life. There's a situation. It's in series four. There's a situation. And, um, you know, they, they can't get out of the situation. They can't work out how to get out of this, of this like, scenario. And the captain says, oh, by the way, the captain is played by, St- um, oh, Hugh Laurie, who was the lead in House. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Hugh Laurie. Yeah, Hugh yeah. Laurie's in it he plays he's brilliant in it he's fantastic and they, he goes you're all right captain he goes no i'm i'm just stuck like sticky the stick insect who got stuck on a sticky bun <laughs> <laughs> and i tell you something i have used that line way too many times in my life <laughs> I even used to use it at school. My teacher would come over and go, Have you worked out that math problem? Lo, I'm stuck. I'm as stuck as sticky the stick insect who got stuck on a sticky bun. <laughs> and then, of course, everyone in the room would go, Black because um, <laughs>
2: Because
0: it, it, it was like a massive phenomenon. It was to, to even the point where um, if our history teachers were just lazy, lazy teachers, what they do is they'd wheel in the huge TV, the VCR, and just let us watch Blackadder.
1: Oh my god, that would be awesome. And I
0: think we would have learned, we learned so much more from watching Series 4 <laughs> of Blackadder than we ever would of watching, of like listening to a, you know, lecture about world, the trenches in World War One. We watched it, we saw it, you know, of what was going on.
2: <laughs> just a you little know, different that, angle. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm Absolutely sure that you could watch Blackadder on a streaming service in the states. I think maybe even Netflix. Appear. Oh, I'll
1: find it. I have other means. If it's not on, if it's not on a main one, I'll find it. Yeah. What I will say
2: to
0: you, though, and if there's any listeners out there that want to give it a try as well, I would say start with series four because that will set you up for the, um, just set you up for the whole concept of it. Do you know what I okay. mean? Yeah. And it is the funniest season. And then you can go back and watch the, the other seasons if you want to, which are equally as funny, apart from the first one, which I think the problem that they had was with the first series. They didn't quite know what it was. Right. They didn't quite know what they wanted to do. And the time period in which they set it in as well, it was like the, um, uh, the Middle Ages. It was basically like a bit of a, a revamp of Macbeth, you know, at, at first... Um, Blackadder was riding through, and then these three witches told him that you know he could be king, and that's how sort of the first series starts. so it's basically a retelling of Macbeth, except it's got Rowan Atkinson playing Blackadder, but I think <laughs> in season two um they really honed in on the fact that Blackadder was just this sarcastic you know self obsessed you know excuse my French asshole. <laughs> and they just put loads of funny characters around him, and he could just be horrible to them in the most eloquent. You know, the va- the vocabulary that he comes out with is just so good that after you watch an episode, you just want to go and have an argument with someone so you can <laughs> use that language. <laughs> there's right. one. There's one point. Another. But this will be my last um, Blackadder quote. But there's um, there's a scene when Blackadder has to go and f- one. A- the woods this is in series two and um he's walking through the woods and he comes across this woman like she's like ha, 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 ha. what are you doing here lord blackadder <laughs> he's like none of your business you know have you seen you know the woman of the woods no i do not know the woman of the woods oh okay um and she she goes on anyway he says the line um so I, I think that um, you might be not qualified to tell me where this woman is, and just a, a stab in the dark, which consequently you'll be getting if you don't answer my next question. <laughs> <laughs> where is the woman in the wood? <laughs> and it's just, I mean, that is just such a brilliant line. It's just a stab <laughs> in the dark, which consequently you'll be getting if you don't answer my next question. <laughs>
1: Okay, that, that, I love- that, sounds, that sounds like something I could watch. I
0: use that way too much in my life as well, to the point where I say it to like maybe people that are younger than me, and they look at me and going, "Oh my god, was that a threat?" <laughs> 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 and I'm like, "No, it was a quote, darling, from one of the best TV shows ever written." So, <laughs> oh, we got
1: four. We got four questions.
0: Yeah, let's do those. Before, Before. my like, black ranch branches over. <laughs> nah, she's just thrown up out of the window. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that's in referral to the mother the mother thing. that
0: Grandmother, happened. yeah, his nan. But can I just say that your nan is throwing up out the window, but you're still continuing to listen to us. <laughs> Maybe you should call an ambulance, my friend. Right. <laughs> you two know a lot about comedians for two very unfunny guys.
1: Whoa! Whoa. You know what? I take that as a compliment. Thank you.
0: I take that as a compliment because, you know, I don't know why. Why do I take Why am I crying? <laughs> I thought it was hilarious.
1: You know what? It's He's hurting inside. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised. His nan's
0: puking out the window. <laughs> He's not exactly... I've never seen Blackadder, but I've seen your mum's udders. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow. This is British comedy in the making. Right. Come on, what's next from this douchebag? I haven't seen Blackadder, but I've seen your mum's others. Yeah, we heard that the first time. Right. I don't know what happened there. (laughs) Maybe he thought (laughs) No, I know exactly what happened there. He went, Oh my god, that's such a good line. I'm gonna say I've gotta say it again. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I need a pen. I'm going to write it down. <laughs> oh well. Um, man who wants to touch my mother's udders whilst covered covered in his nan's puke.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's 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 almost fetish. That's fetish.
0: I mean, whatever turns you on. Right. You know. Whatever. What did someone say earlier? Whatever tickles your pickle.
1: Right. Any port in the <laughs> storm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Tickle your pickle—is that a phrase that is is commonly used in the states?
1: Um, every once in a while.
0: <laughs> well, every once in a while it's used, or once in a while someone tickles your pickle.
1: Oh, that too, yes, that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I...
0: Well, good for you.
2: <laughs>
1: yep. Exactly. Here, here. I'm not sitting Silly here.
0: Did as, it. I'm not sitting here as a single man who can't invite anyone round to his house. I'm not jealous at all.
1: oh come
0: on now I know I know I know I know
1: (laughs) you'll find love I will at the bottom of a coffee cup (laughs) I thought you were going to say at the bottom of a bottle
0: (laughs) yeah but you know I'm not a big drinker but you know that I do love the coffee
1: oh my god I do too I think I would uh, I would be happy if I died drowning in coffee
0: oh yeah absolutely Definitely. At least with half a sugar.
1: Right. <laughs> and, a, and a and a really good flavor like creamer.
0: Yes. So when I go to the States, my cousin always buys the vanilla creamer.
1: Oh, that's ordinary. That's plain.
0: Oh, well that's as, as, as um, exotic as I went, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh,
1: come on now.
0: That's a, that blew my mind. Okay, come on. What creamers are we getting? Is gonna make me more excited than I am right now.
1: Um, probably I would try. Uh, what's one that really like the first time I had it? I was like, oh my lord. Um, I would have to say. Well, one of them was uh, Reese's peanut butter cup. It was really good. Reese's peanut butter
0: cup creamer. Yes. But then doesn't that completely just take away from the taste of the coffee?
1: You just um, take Reese's Pieces? Some, sometimes it does, but if you really like the flavor of it, then maybe you put it in a coffee that you're not so fond of tasting. Okay.
0: To me, it just sounds like it's um, you, you just want the, the taste of Reese's Pieces and the caffeine hit of a coffee.
1: But you don't want to eat it, like, in the morning. Like, you feel like you're a gigantic lard-ass if you, like, eat it.
0: (laughs) I'm not even kidding. When I go to the States, I do come back, and I am at least, like, maybe five to eight pounds heavier.
1: That's because we are fat, gelatinous pigs. (laughs) Our, I I listened like no. I talked to other people in other countries and like their diet is so much healthier than ours. Oh my god, so much healthier than ours. <laughs>
2: um
0: But the the problem that I have when going out and eating in the States is not many people like well that's the problem. Not many people like to home cook, so therefore they go and they eat out a lot. <laughs> Right. Okay, I know why you're laughing. Rude.
2: <laughs> I'm
1: Pete. I, I P- I
0: oh, okay. <laughs> I think my dirty mind might have just just gone a bit too far there. But um Get your mind out of the gutter. I know. Yes.
1: You you need <laughs> you need a boyfriend straight away.
0: Well, that's no chance. I'm in lockdown.
1: <laughs> well, prepare yourself for a boyfriend after you get out of lockdown.
0: Oh, I am. I'm. You know, I'm. I'm. Um, I'm on here. I'm practicing conversation.
1: Right. <laughs> with somebody so... that you probably should be practicing conversation with. <laughs> I know
0: exactly. But you're a good teacher. You're like my uh, Cobra Kai.
1: No. <laughs> ah, I'm Yagi. You're Yagi.
0: I definitely. Walks that... oh, on, no, off. See, you need to change your um, your emoji, your avatar right. on here now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, so we spoke about black other. You've spoken about um.
1: Monty Python. Python. Is
0: there any other British?
1: Uh... No, I I want to get to James Corden because you said James Corden was a hard pill to swallow, and I kind of think he's funny. Like I, I don't see him like all the time. Um, but I've seen his skits and stuff, and I think they're pretty damn funny. So, I don't know what it is,
0: but the British nation now finds James Corden very irritating really which which is shocking because James Corden wrote and starred in Gavin and Stacey Gavin and Stacey was his sitcom that's what made him famous oh, if it okay. wasn't for Gavin and Stacey he wouldn't be as big in the um in America as he is now okay. not that you guys like know the show that well but because I don't know the show it, yeah but because it brought him to light in the UK I think that you know, that light attracted, you know, the States and got him on the ladder, so to speak. Right. What's your what's the American relationship to James Corden? Um
1: probably uh the big thing that I see all the time is the uh carpool karaoke. Yes. And my favorite, my favorite one, hands down, was when him and Paul McCartney did it. It was brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, he went to. They went. Did you ever see it? They. He went to. I did. Yeah. When they went to his old house and he was kind of reminiscing, and James Corden looks outside and there's like a crowd forming because somebody dropped a dime that Paul McCartney was there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean. That is quite that is a massive deal, isn't it? Yes. Do you know what I mean? But not only not only Paul McCartney, but James Corden. Right. So couple whammy. Well, for some people, single whammy for me, I'm just it's not that I don't like him. It's just that I find his his American persona a little bit fake.
1: See, He's okay, brilliant. that that's... I was going to ask you, what was it about him that, that you thought, or you, everybody th- is so irritated by Now you just answered it?
0: Well, I, you know, I followed his career from quite near the beginning when he was in um, an Alan Bennett play called The History Boys, and I actually went with, on a school trip to watch that at the National Theatre, and he originated... Uh one of the roles in that play, and it's one of the best play British plays ever written uh-huh. and he was fantastic and then he went into star in the film um which was he was excellent in and he just had this you know quiet um very british very British persona of you know being all about the art and all about what he was doing, but also right. very genuine and never took him. never took himself like too seriously in some respects, but it was almost like this quiet confidence that he had and you know he was obviously very talented
1: okay I guess he was also very very irritating because I perceive him as very outgoing like very out outgoing very not i don't want to say loud but um that's kind of what i was thinking, yeah. Well, he has a TV show. I don't
0: know if I don't know if they're doing any more of it though. But he used to have a TV show in the UK called League of Their Own, which was like a sports um, like panel show, uh-huh. and he was like the host of it. And then he had like um, sort of sporting celebrities, and it was a comedy show. Like Jack Whitehall was in it, um, and it was really funny. And he was really good. You know, it was he was really like relatable and just really like a like a Good British comedian, but I think that when I watch him, <clears throat> um, is it the Late Late Show he does? Isn't it? That's the yeah, part of the shows. Yeah. So the yeah. Late Late Show. When I watch him, there's all this almost this um like fakeness about him that I see. I just don't see the James Corden that I knew from when he first started out. I just see this.
1: I mean, do you think it's like commercialized? You th- do you think that's what it's like now? Yes. That- He's a bigger name or whatever. He's got his own show. Now he's he's changed.
0: I think that you could put it down to the similarities of food between the UK and the US.
1: Okay. All right.
0: So why, why, when he was here, you could almost say that he was very talented and what he did was very good. But his personality was sort of relatable and in some ways bland. Mm-hmm. But I see when I watch the um, Late Late Show with him on, he's almost like covered in head to toe in glucose syrup. <laughs> 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 Do you know what I mean?
1: That's, yes, I know exactly what you mean.
0: And it doesn't—it just doesn't come across well here in the UK. That, but... and also, I'm not going to lie to you—the biggest mistake he's ever made in his career. And it's one single word.
1: Cats. Oh, my God. That that was a failure for a lot of people.
0: Now, I think we can probably talk about cats
1: on a British comedy podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because it was an utter joke.
1: Yeah, oh, my God. And they sunk so it? much money into that making that, too. And it was a flop.
0: An absolute flop. I went to watch it um, in the cine World in Leicester Square, London. And I walked in and it was in one of the smaller screens and there wasn't many people in there. <clears throat> and I thought, I'm going to give this the benefit of the doubt because I grew up, um, my mum used to go to the musicals all the time when I was younger. You know, she'd leave us with a babysitter and she'd go off to London and watch a musical. And one of the ones that she went to watch was Cats and she brought the soundtrack back. So Cats, the soundtrack was almost, you know, like a bit of a soundtrack to my childhood. So I knew the music and the story really well and I went in and the film started and from literally two to three minutes into it, I felt really nauseous. (laughs) In fact, I'm not going to lie to you, at one point, I think I was sick in my mouth a little bit. (laughs) Because it was so disorientating looking at this thing that was supposed to be the representation of a cat (laughs) but just looked like something that would not be out of place in, I don't know, Avatar (laughs) or one of those far out, you know science fiction, you know, set on a different planet. You know, you could have those cats running around in the new version of Dune and I would just be like, okay they live on that planet (laughs) <laughs> what, well, really, what really got me i honestly i'm not gonna lie to you i went into the cinema and i was thinking i'm not gonna think about this i'm really not because a it's really wrong to think about it in everyday life but b i'm not going to be looking out for it i'm not going to spend the whole film looking out for a cat's asshole. <laughs> did spend a lot of the film looking, going, where's that cat's arsehole? <laughs> there wasn't an arsehole to be seen. Now, I'm not saying that, I, you know, if I had gone to a screening of that film and I'd walked out and they usually had like, the cards outside where you have to write what you liked and what you didn't, I wouldn't write you know, not enough cats arseholes.
1: <laughs> how do these cats defecate is what I want to know.
0: Exactly. Well, i tell you how they defecate. Out <laughs> their mouths. Right.
1: Because <laughs> that's, really that's how it in the
0: movie. <laughs> exactly. But not only, but James Corden, like, I, I was going to say walks on or comes on, but more waddles on. And... <laughs> performs this I'm James Corden, look what I I'm, a, I'm James Corden, but I'm a cat isn't this really cool you know, you know right. me as James Corden from the Late Late Show, but I'm dressed as a cat and I'm, <laughs> you know going meow and licking myself and it's, you know and I just found it really bizarre and you can't and call, and call me I an asshole because I don't have one yes, exactly but then you add on jason derulo and then taylor swift and then you then oh the the last you know the final straw you know how dare you treat judy dench like this Mm. how dare you make her look like you know some sort of weird hybrid right h wells the island of dr moreau
1: she's a dame for
0: christ's sake That's what it reminded me of. That really bad version of um, the Island of Dr. Moreau with Val Kilmer. <laughs> Do you remember that? It's a film that has such a bad reputation because of the behind-the-scenes trauma that it caused everybody. <laughs> There's even a documentary about documentary about that film about how bad the production
1: was. Well, and, and it know it's bad when they go out of the way, out of their way to make a uh, make a documentary about how bad it was.
0: Exactly, and apparently you've got Val Kilmer, who was an absolute ass on the on the film, and you've got Marlon Brando that just used to turn up and probably didn't even know what film he was on. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He'd be standing there about to deliver a, a monologue about you know doing scientific experiments on animals, and he thought he was still in Apocalypse Now. <laughs> But um, you know, you've got all of this going on, and to me, I was thinking, this is this is like it's like someone has done experiments on cats and humans and clashed their DNA together and come out with this. But not only that, but they're singing songs to Andrew Lloyd Webber, which you know <laughs> is is shaky ground anyway. I mean, there's hit and miss Andrew Lloyd Webber, you know. Right. Yes. And. Cats is is definitely hit and miss. There is some songs, like Memory, the song Memory from Cats, is one of the most beautiful, melancholic, you know... Right, um, yes, I agree. Life-affirming, yet thoughtful songs ever written. And I actually went and saw Cats um, not that long ago, probably within the last three or four years at the London Palladium, and Nicole Scherzinger was playing that part. Oh, wow. And I know... You're probably thinking, "Wow, you think the film version was bad?" <laughs> but I tell you, she was brilliant—absolutely brilliant. She played that part with such grace, and she sung that song with such beauty. Um, and then we come to the film version, and we have Jennifer Hudson, who I, you know, nine times out of ten, adore. Right.
1: She's got a beautiful. But the voice. camera,
0: the camera position while she was singing. <laughs> I was, you know, it, I, I felt like the camera was going, oh, just going to check and see if Jennifer Hudson's plucked her nose hair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I can see that she's had a lovely nose plucking. She's, she's groomed properly. I could see every paw. And I don't mean cat's paw. I mean paw on her face.
1: <laughs> no pun intended.
0: Exactly. I was thinking, oh my goodness. This the the director Tom, I mean, y- you don't really need to know the director's name. He's never going to work again. But um <laughs> the director. Well, <laughs> that even made me laugh. Um <laughs> um he directed Les Misérables like a few oh years my before which which was terrible, but terrible, you know, in a way that it could win an Oscar because right. you got You've got Anne Hathaway singing "I dreamed a dream" to like, like the inch of her life, squeezing that emotion out, and the camera was so was very close to her, and she was really going for it. And I actually, I actually felt something. You know, I haven't felt anything since two thousand and seven, but I definitely (laughs) felt something with her performance, and um, I thought it was really nicely done. How they were really close and intimate with her but you don't want to be close and intimate to Jennifer Hudson when she's made up like some sort of genetic
2: right, you right.
0: Know, <laughs> mistake some genetic experiment gone wrong i oh, honestly we- thought i was watching a film about the next stage of he- human evolution
1: <laughs> where's well, david X- X- when you need him <laughs>
0: I'm thinking, oh my goodness, for the gay community, it's hell. <laughs> the next stage of human evolution, we've got no buttholes, what are we going to do?
1: <laughs> I'm going to play this real quick. Okay.
0: I haven't seen the musical Cats, but I've seen your mum's cat. Yeah. Oh, you missed out on such... You really messed that up, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> he really messed that up. He should have changed the, the second cat to another word for a cat. That would have been a lot funnier.
1: Right. He's learning. Although
0: he He's learning. This is all this is almost like a you know, it's not just a discussion on British comedy, it's a class in British comedy.
1: Right. I From two non funny you know, <laughs> people. Two exactly. non funny people.
0: Well, I can't blame you because like our one and only student at the moment is covered in his grandma's vomit. so
1: right <laughs> there's so much going on in his life that I'm actually kind of impressed that he's still listening,
0: yeah, absolutely well he's probably you know like dipping in and out while I was talking to the emergency services <laughs>
1: I can't, <laughs> well, I should I can't hope leave, so anyway i can't i cannot not like leave this British comedy out. And a- I got to ask you a question. Okay. What do you think about Mr. Benny Hill? Okay. So, honestly, don't hold back. Don't hold back.
0: I'm not going to hold back. For me, um, Benny Hill, I completely missed because my parents weren't really fans. And it was quite, you know, it was way before I was born, so I don't, I don't really remember the show at all. Obviously, everyone remembers the music. Um, I mean, there's some bullshit going around that Benny Hill chasing halfs, half scad women, you know, in their bras and underwear was somehow empowering to women. I mean. You know, people that are, are fans of Benny Hill go, yeah, actually, he was he was really nice to the women on set and he really treated them with respect and the sketch was, you know, ironic. No. <laughs> Just because he was nice to someone on set doesn't mean that the scene that he's filming of him chasing a woman in her bra is any less misogynistic than
1: it is. Am you, I right? Or you not? know what, Keith? He, he was. Work- he was objectifying women in a nice way what by chasing them
2: right
0: <laughs> I mean I would have preferred it if they were chasing him I mean I think in fact there is probably there is some scenes isn't it where they turn and chase him
1: instead which maybe is quite maybe, funny. maybe he was chasing them down to make to help them you know like maybe he was yelling to them we just couldn't hear it because the music was playing hey you guys are running around. Half naked, get some clothes. Yes, on. put some clothes on. What would your mother think? Right.
0: <laughs> do or you not?
1: He was chasing. Do you not care? Do you not care that you're half naked? Come on. Maybe I mean, he was trying to help them. No. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, I think he was chasing them to Copperfield. You have. Do you have that phrase in America, Copperfield?
1: Yes, yes,
0: yes. I think he was chasing them to Copperfield,
1: and it, and it's not David Copperfield.
0: <laughs> Ooh, I like dun, that. Dun. We're gonna we're gonna go into adult movies and may, and just um, like adapt every Charles Dick ins into uh,
1: <laughs> porn film. Right.
0: <laughs> Am I right?
1: We have to keep it on task, though. Okay, we're right, going to sa- we're gonna nip, gonna have though. to uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to save porn for another episode.
0: I mean, we're going to have to, but I have to I have to say so you got David Copperfield. Um Oliver Nippletwist?
1: Yes, Oliver Nippletwist.
0: <laughs> Does that work? Yes. If anyone's listening, help us out. We're we're trying to make adult film versions of Charles Dickens' books because that where did that come from but I'm yeah. enjoying it um,
1: where, yeah that kind of uh, that kind of flared up like that. I don't think that was a segue
0: no I'm just um, I don't know I can't think of any more we might need some help <laughs> see you started something you couldn't finish I know oh no like, if I had some time I'm really thinking on my feet here I mean, Oliver nipple twist, Come on, give me that. That's quite yeah. A that good was word. that.
1: That was pretty. That was pretty quick thinking. Yeah. I also thought my my uh, David Copperfield was pretty pretty good. I think it was stunning. <laughs> Absolutely
0: <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> and there's not an ounce of sarcasm in that statement either. No. None taken. If anyone can come up with any um, rude versions for titles of Charles Dickens um, uh, books or films, then they'll be greatly received by us. So anyway,
1: we were talking about about Keith's mother. (laughs) Also acceptable. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Well, apparently. I mean, yeah. uh, My poor mother. Can I just say to the person who keeps losing those voice messages, you want my mother with you right now. She would know exactly what to do with a puking granny.
1: She would, she would <laughs> Yes, because she was trained. Was well, she trained? What, aren't police officers there trained for like ours are for uh, like emergency situations? Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, most
0: of them happen in the home, but <laughs> right. Right. When my mum says, Get in here now or there'll be trouble. The trouble will usually, you know, involve
1: CS gas. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) She she would wake you up with a she would wake you up with a flashbang.
0: Yeah, she'd wake us up with like a you know, an army drill. Right. You know, sort of get out of bed, you (laughs) scum (laughs) Uh, Yeah, get out of bed, scum. Right. And by the way, to dinner tonight, spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> like it or like it. <laughs> Don't be late. Yeah, get to school, losers. <laughs> right. But um, no, she, my mum was really, my mum was very nice. I mean, she was very, my mum's very practical. Do you know what I mean? She's like right. a very practical person. Like we were talking earlier about, you know, her not finding Monty Python very funny, but her comedy. I mean, she laughs hysterically at anything like period dramas.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what I
0: mean? <laughs> like, my mum will be laughing. And I'll come in and be like, mother, mother, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just watching Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> People like, and, they, and they've just made a... Your, made a, your mom would apologize for laughing? Oh, we're British. We apologize for everything. Stop <laughs> apologizing!
1: I wow, know. I just, I just sounded like uh <laughs> Stop apologizing. I just sounded, I just sounded like uh Oh oh my god. Seinfeld. Seinfeld Stop yeah. apologizing. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean you do sound like him. We're gonna we're gonna get onto some of your impressions later anyway.
1: I I don't have I, don't wanna... I used to have a lot. Like I said, I'm so out of practice now that they they sound like a combination of people. Yeah.
0: Well, see, this is the thing. Like, your impressions is is like the secret weapon of this discussion. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to use it too early. <laughs> you know, I don't want you to suddenly go into your impressions because anything else we talk about after that is just going to be,
1: you know, utter scum. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for putting me on a pedestal that I don't belong on.
0: Oh yeah! Anyone listen to Steve's impressions? Literally,
1: it's <laughs> like Steve's horrible impressions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we're gonna get. We're gonna have. Um, we're gonna have impression time coming up very shortly.
1: Impression time. <laughs> All yeah. right, boys and girls, get out your get out your rugs. Let's Lay on the floor and listen to the dulcet tones of <laughs> Stephen doing <laughs> Hank Hill. There's nothing dulcet
0: <laughs> about no, it. No, there isn't.
1: There's nothing dulcet about Hank Hill's voice. You
0: can't get someone to lay on a rug, close their eyes, and think they're going to be on some magical car- magic carpet journey, and then you go spam, 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 <laughs> yeah. spam, spam, spam. spam <laughs> You'll scar them for life. They'll be in their mind palace. Right. And they'll come out of it and go back into their everyday life and all they'll be able to think about is dead parrots and spam.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not a good combination. (laughs) Saying them all, saying them all. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
0: Wait, wait no, no. Oh, d- that sketch freaks me out a little bit. I mean, <laughs> I th- it, is, it is funny, but it does like, uh, but I think the punchline redeems it. Do you not think?
1: <laughs> right. Yes, it does. <laughs>
0: you're, you're like, ew, ew, yuck. Ew. Like, all the way through, you're like, oh, stop. What are you doing? That's so disgusting.
1: <laughs> and
0: then, um and then, like, you know, when he says, have you done it with your wife? Yes. What's it like? You know, so it's like, <laughs> He's just being disgusting about something that he knows nothing about, which right. I think is—it's very childish, isn't it? You know, you—you got kids that are, you know, are always going on about boobs and, you know, that's, and all me. That sort of that, thing.
1: that's me. That—that's me. Like that—that. That, yeah, I, I think that a man child.
0: Yeah, but you have kids, right?
1: I have one. God allowed me to have you one. Have,
0: you <laughs> have a kid, so you've, you know. Done
1: it right, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> you're a go, right? You, you yeah, go. You're a goal, hey. right?
0: go. <laughs> but what what I'm saying is that it's usually kids that are, you know, that have no experience whatsoever about that. But right. are usually about, you know, like yeah, boobs, uh, you know. <laughs> but they have they don't know what they're talking about.
2: <laughs> a lot, like, of ta- yeah, a I, lot of I times, I love right?
0: boobs, but you know the if if you went okay well if you love boobs here's some boobs they go ah oh, like running the other <laughs> direction yeah. and <gasps> <can't... laughs> yeah but um i think that that sketch that monty python sketch is perfect to sort of shine a light on you know people that are you know so knowledgeable yeah i know everything about this subject and yeah right. you know and then they know nothing
1: it's That's kind of like me mean. It's kind of like me, in a way.
0: (laughs) I I mean, I use big words sometimes, but no one really realizes that I only use big words when I'm doing, like, podcasts and things, and I usually have a massive thesaurus next to me.
1: (laughs) Right. I just use big big words, and I use them in the wrong place. Like,
0: Yes. Yes, like, oh, my testicles
1: are discombobulated.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's... (laughs) I haven't said that for a while, but...
1: <laughs> my my, pe- my penis and I were at loggerheads.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm definitely going to put that into a hashtag. <laughs> yes. I mean, it shows intelligence and naivety in like in one sentence right it? in one way and I think that a lot of comedy is based upon that as well do you know what I mean a lot of comedy um, uh, some of my favorite comedy in fact is wordplay
1: oh yeah definitely you know definitely.
0: when someone is so confident in like the language that they're using but they're using it in completely the wrong way right so, it's mad- that can be yeah it's like um I don't know if you know the the British series called Hello, Hello.
1: That sounds familiar. I've heard something.
0: Yeah, it's based during World War Two in France. And it's about like the French and British resistance. Like, uh, like during the Nazi invasion. Uh, Hilarious. Like, you know, obviously the concept is is rife for comedy. (laughs) Right. But it is really, really funny, and they have one character who's a French policeman. But he, um, he tries to speak English, but his English is really bad. So instead of saying something like "I was just passing by," he would go, "I was just pissing by." <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is awesome.
0: Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah. he just comes out with like phrases like this, and you know, it's it's really cleverly done. Like the play on language is brilliant. I mean, that's, you know, if you speak to anybody and someone will make that joke, at least now, you know, the, the, uh, I know the origin. Yeah. The origin of it. But, uh, there's loads in that, you know, and I think that that language is officer Crabtree. That's his name. The, uh, the officer from it. And, um, yeah, I was just having a quick look to see. Um, oh, there is some. Oh, no. I was just seeing if, to find some more because they are really, really funny. It's such a good series. It's um, it's one of those series that plays really well. And I think that um, British comedy, I think, does this slightly better. But uh, and I think it all started with The Office in some respects, the balance between comedy and tragedy is quite evenly balanced right yes yes so one minute you're you know laughing your head off and then the next minute you're crying you know right when it goes from one to the other i think one the series and i keep going back to this series you're just going to have to watch it but um the series that i think balances it really well is Gavin and Stacey you know it's so heartfelt it's not it's got no laughter laughter track on it. I hate comedy now that has laughter tracks. Um because now I see comedy has evolved so much in like the more naturalistic comedy is funny. Right. Whereas the I do find like for like for example, this is a British comedy, obviously it's American, but Friends you know, I do think that if you took the laughter track away from friends, I would say probably three quarters of the jokes would be funny, but there's that I think there'd be a lost quarter where right. they don't land at all. You know, I, I totally agree because we're prompted by a laughter track to find it funny. I think, yeah, it's but, very subjective, isn't it? it
1: I, I think it, I, I think it's uh, does a disservice to to being funny like okay if you're if you if you have to can laughter maybe the joke isn't strong enough to carry itself is what i always think i to- <coughs> excuse me i totally agree with that and, it, and it's think- almost it's almost like okay i get it i know i'm supposed to laugh but it's not that funny so i'm not <laughs> i'm not gonna laugh
0: yeah and I think it's um, it's almost like subliminal subliminal messaging, isn't it? Say you that fourteen I mean? times like, fast. Subliminal <laughs> messaging. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like if you're prompted to laugh by a lot from a laughter track, right? Like, you know, normally you wouldn't find that funny, but it's like you know. It's like that Family Guy sketch, isn't it, where they do the, um, you know, the advert, and the, that guy just pops up every every couple of seconds, going smoke. smoke. <laughs> <Yeah>! smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas with a laughter track, I think that you become so used to it, and all the laughter track is really doing is going laugh, laugh, laugh. <laughs>
1: Yeah, right. and it's a, and it's like okay, do you want drones watching your shows? Because that's if if you if somebody has to realize something is funny by canned laughter, then they probably don't get comedy. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think with something like Friends, I know that we're <clears throat> we're deviating slightly from British comedy, but something like Friends, I think the people that are the biggest uh, fans of friends are people that grew up with it right and they, and they love the characters you know like it's the it's the nature of the characters maybe you know i don't know rachel and ross were going through a relationship that maybe the viewer was going through a very similar situation so therefore they're identifying with the situation and you know i used to watch friends when i was younger and i and you know they're just fun guys to hang out with right Do you know what I mean? But do I always find it funny? No. And do I think that um, I've laughed at things that I wouldn't necessarily have laughed at if there wasn't that prompt? Then absolutely, definitely. I mean, how you doing can only be funny really for the first 10 times, right? Right. (laughs) After that, it's a bit like, oh, he, he said it again he's alright, he he needs to learn something else, didn't he really? <laughs> <laughs> he needs to um maybe come up with a new catchphrase. But you know, but every time he does it it's it's laughter tracked and it's right and you know but yeah that's just my opinion on canned laughter.
1: Where where my my uh, my Monty Python Gentlemen, I, you know what, I would, I think I would give my left nut to spend five minutes with them. (laughs) How
0: very Daniel Day Lewis of you. Right. He gave his left foot and you're giving your
1: left nut. (laughs) Right. I have another one. So it was perfectly fine. But I think (laughs) that would show, I think that would show them my love, my absolute undying love.
0: Yeah. Well, it's really... Un- unfortunately, we are um, two Pythons down now, sadly. I know. We've got um, Graham, and then we've got uh, uh, Terry Jones, I think, what, died earlier this year or late last year.
1: Yeah, I think so, yep. Very sad. Yes.
0: Because Terry or- Jones, no, you know, I, n- not necessarily one of the funniest Pythons, but was like massively uh involved in the films
1: oh yeah in fact, yep
0: in fact I think he directed life of Brian.
1: Uh, yeah and uh oh him and when they were doing uh holy grail uh they kind of split the i think they split the directing duties didn't they with uh what's his name um ah uh, no I can't think of his name.
0: What was it? Another Python?
1: Yeah. Um. The the Eric American.
0: Idle. Was it Eric Idle?
1: No. Um.
0: Not John Cleese.
1: The the American. Oh, Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam. Yeah. I think they split. I think they split directing duties. Okay. I might be wrong. I probably am. I
0: mean I'm not gonna lie to you, Terry Gilliams probably had a better, you know, career in the directing side than
1: the, right, than the yeah. and, and the art because he did he did a lot of the art.
0: Yeah, I mean all of the animated sequences right. from the the T V show was Terry Gilliam. Right. Which are brilliant.
1: Oh yes. Oh my god.
0: Absolutely amazing. And I think that um what's your favourite Python film then?
1: Life of Brian.
0: Life of Brian. I think mine, it's it's very thinly balanced between Holy Grail and Life of Brian. Yeah, it's,
1: you know what? Like I said, th- I can't nail that. Like, if somebody asked me, like, what my favorite skit was, I, I really, I really honestly can't because there is so much that, like, I gauge how much I like something by how hard I still laugh at it. And there's yeah. a lot of stuff that is still absolutely hilarious to me.
0: Yeah. But still, like,
1: oh, go ahead. I was going
0: to say, because it is timeless comedy, you know. It is. The silliness of it. The thing that I find about Monty Python is... it's The thing that I find really funny is when they say about where someone lives... So they'll say, here is, um, you know, Steve Moyer from 22B, Suffolk Road, Croydon. <laughs> 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 and, I don't, and it's usually, like, the most obscure, weird place, like, little tiny village in right. God knows where. And... <laughs> I just find that so endearing, you know, like just the little touches like that that are so endearing. I mean, my, one of my favourite sketch—well, not it's not my favourite sketch, but one of them—the sketch that I that I watch and still laugh at the most is probably um, the information video about how not to be seen. <laughs> but the thing that makes me laugh about that sketch is the introduction to each person. It makes me laugh every time, and I don't know what it is, but I think I don't know why it taps in like to what I find really funny because it's the mundane mixed with the like hilarity and the obscene. Do you know what I mean? It's like every day. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm I'm looking at the uh, the script of the sketch, so it's got here. So um. So here we are. In this film, we hope to show how not to be seen. (laughs) This is Mr. E.R. Bradshaw of Napier Court, Black Lion Road, (laughs) London, SE5. (laughs) He not to be seen. Now I'm going to ask him to stand up. Mr. Bradshaw, will you stand up? In the distance, Mr. Bradshaw stands up. There's a loud gunshot and Mr. (laughs) Bradshaw is shot stomach and crumples to the ground <laughs> voiceover this demonstrates the value of not being seen <laughs> 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 cut to another location in this picture we cannot see mrs bj sigma of 13 the crescent belmont <laughs> mrs sigma will you please stand up Mrs. Sigma stands up. A gunshot rings out and Mrs. Sigma leaps in the air and falls to the ground dead. Voice over. Cuts to a new scene. Voice over. This is Mr. Nesbitt of Harlow, Newtown. (laughs) Mr. Nesbitt, would you please stand up, please? After a pause, nothing happens. Mr. Nesbitt has learned the value of not being seen. (laughs) However, he has chosen a very obvious hiding place. The bush explodes and you can hear a muffled scream. cut to another scene with three bushes (laughs) Mr. E.B. Lambert and Homely, the Burrows Oz Wesley has presented us with a poser we do not know which bush he is behind but we can soon find out, the left bush explodes, the right bush explodes and the middle bush explodes, there is a muffled scream yes, he was in the middle one brilliant
2: Absolutely oh my god oh so, my
0: god that to me i don't know what it is i think it's the the, the introductions to each person you know that really made me get go- like the first one this is er bradshaw of napier <laughs> court black line road london se5 That's so <laughs> much
1: like, i think it's brilliant and that's what, that's what I was saying. Like, they took some of the most mundane situations and flipped them. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think that that's brilliant. Yeah, it's beautiful comedy. You can't...
1: Oh, my God. You can't... I, I, I think I mean, people sometimes take the easy way out in comedy instead of, I don't know, working a little bit harder and, and making somebody making somebody think, you know, uh, I love that kind of humor. Definitely. And also, what I think is really
0: important is that that is totally uniquely British. Right. You you could not do that sketch in the States. No, 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 no,
1: no way. Because it,
0: it wouldn't have that it just wouldn't have that sort of normality slash Absurdity about it. I don't know what it is, but that is that to me. That's that sketch is uniquely uh, British. Yes, and just epitomizes like the British
1: sense of humor. And I, I thank my brother. Uh, wherever you are, sir, I hope you're in heaven. But um, he, oh my God, he was their ambassador to me because. He was their hype man too, because when I was unable to watch them, he would just he would just prop them up on, on the highest mountain. Like, oh, yeah. I cannot wait! You you are gonna love this, and I'm like, shut up! I can't watch it. Yet. <laughs> shut up! Yeah. Oh, just. Like if anyone hadn't
0: heard this before when we spoke last time, this was because of your your scattered bedtimes.
1: Yes, stupid so American parents.
0: And you wouldn't, and he was yeah. allowed to watch it, and you couldn't.
1: Yeah, it was the we we went. We had bedtimes according to our age, which was completely ridiculous.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So oh so you couldn't see Monty Python for a little while,
1: right? And he was just oh my god, he was there like he was their hype man. Yeah, and then when I got to watch it, I think just that not being able to watch it and him saying how funny it was made me appreciate it that much more. I think that's why I love Monty Python as much as I do. Do did he ever used to like? Act
0: out some of the sketches for yes, you. Yes,
1: yes, yeah. He's like, he's like, I'm not going to be able to do this any justice, and <laughs> I, I mean, for the most part, he was right because it <laughs> it gets lost in the translation.
0: Yeah. Oh, but definitely.
1: all it did, all it did, was just feed the flames. Like, just uh, I was like, oh my god, I I have to see this. I have to see this.
0: Yeah. No, totally. I completely agree. I'm sure right now he's up there with Terry Jones having a right laugh. Oh, my God. Terry Jones is probably going through his repertoire. He's not the messiah. He's a (laughs) very naughty boy.
1: He's (laughs) a very naughty boy.
0: (laughs) I love that um, Terry Jones was almost sort of like. I mean, if you put a list together or asked people about. Monty Python cast. I think that Terry Jones would be quite low on the list of their favourites. I think Terry Gilliam would be on the bottom because he didn't appear yeah. in much of the actual. Yeah, physical.
1: he was like he was like the unknown to me.
0: Yeah, but I think that Terry Jones would probably be quite low down just because you had the huge characters like uh, Graham Chapman and John Cleese and right and right. even michael palin do you know what i mean like michael palin um in the, in the monty python heyday was like a massive sex symbol do you know what i mean like right yeah yep he, like he attract he was like the uh, the sexy one so to speak but um i think terry jones was quite low down there
1: but but he was such a good setup man like he was exactly. such a good situational comedy
0: but he also delivered one of the most famous Monty Python lines of all time. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> Terry Jones did, like you know, delivered that line and did it brilliantly, and it's become like a massive, um, like pop culture sort of icon quote, is not it?
1: Right. Yes. <laughs> He, think... is the, he is the epitome. Like when I picture an old British woman, that's that's who I see. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you, well you should. My mum's a spitting image. <laughs> <laughs> he's not funny, he's a very fun. <laughs> <awesome boy. laughs> but um okay, let's let's um talk about let's bring it to a quite a serious issue. Uh
1: oh, uh oh. Because
0: When Monty Python was uh, Life of Brian was first released, there was quite a lot of controversy about it because of of its depiction of um, like Jesus Christ and religion. I've never like, I've never been held up to that controversy because I do think that what the Python said at the time is absolutely right. It's not about Jesus Christ at all. It just so happens to be based in the time period. Right. And there is like a parallel between brian's journey and Jesus's journey, but it's not about um necessarily poking fun at religion it's poking fun at the people of the time and their I, view
1: on religion hundred percent agree hundred percent agree yeah there's so many there's so many prime examples of it, like uh the stoning the it was women weren't allowed to to attend that kind of stuff so they're like yeah. okay let's put a bunch of women in beards <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it was priceless thing? i
0: mean it's it's comedy gold right but do you know what the funniest thing about that scene is for me <laughs> it's the fact that they're all women Right! <laughs> <laughs> what does ex- that say what does ex- that say like you know it's almost like um that scene for me if you want to go into like social context of a scene that scene to me is like the suffragettes in london you know that (laughs) were fighting for the vote right and it's it's like the forbidden activity they knew they weren't allowed to do it that's why they wanted to do it they didn't necessarily like stoning someone to death but because they you know weren't allowed to stone someone to death that's the reason why they wanted to right are there any women here today? No, 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 no. <laughs> But I do think that that scene is really interesting for the fact that there's not a single male in that in the, right. the
1: are <laughs> All women. But it, yeah, but that that's a perfect point of what you were saying is it wasn't making fun of like the religion per se. It was the time. Yes. Like before that, when, they're not making fun of uh, Jesus at the mount. They were making fun of the fact that the people that were so far away from him wouldn't be able to understand exactly what he was saying. So they were just yep. interpreting what he was saying. Getting
0: it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, totally getting it wrong. <laughs> and they it wasn't even that. They were arguing amongst themselves like, shut up, I can't hear it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I believe he said, "Blessed are the cheesemakers." Yeah,
0: the cheesemakers.
1: Uh, I, <laughs> well, really. I think he was I'm referring. I think he was referring to anybody in the dairy <laughs> industry.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but also my favourite line from that sketch is, um, "Oh, blessed are the meek. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Because the meek, yeah, they don't get <laughs> <laughs> do anything. Yeah. Oh, bless. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Because <laughs> that's such a British thing to do as well, you know. When people say, "Oh, you, you know, um, do you know Bob down the road? He won a hundred pounds on a scratch card. Oh, that's nice, isn't it?" Because Bob, you know, he's not had a hard time. He's had a hard time recently, and he. So it's nice that he's got that.
1: Good know? on him. That's what it reminds
0: me of. That's how they treat the meat, right? <laughs> but you know, a hundred percent is not poking fun. At religion and people's beliefs at all. It's poking fun at the time. It's no different than, you know, a film about, you know, the Roman times and poking fun at, you know, Roman gods and things like that. What people used to believe. You look, you look back at, you know, the like what how they used to worship their gods in Roman times. It's madness. But you know, people that are um, like Catholic or Christian would not find that offensive. But they're not poking right. fun at... <laughs> because they're not You're... they're not poking fun at them. Exactly, but the, but they're not poking fun at the at the person's belief. They're poking fun at how the ch- person chooses to believe. Right? Does that make sense?
1: Yes, exactly. I
0: mean, it most people think. Sense. Okay, so this is a, a complete like, uh, like we're we're turning left here. We're turning a short sharp left. Um, <laughs> But, um, I went to see a film at the cinema, probably the only film that's released at the moment, called St. Maud. And it's about a girl that is um, has a tragedy in her life and turns to religion, but turns to it in completely the wrong way. You know, she goes <laughs> full steam ahead. Um, and there's a scene in it where she has a like a bag of popcorn, you know, like the, the um, like the corn cobs, but they they haven't popped yet. You know, right like before you put it in the in the microwave or whatever, and she yeah. rips it open and pours it on the floor, and then kneels on it to pray, <laughs> like she kneels on the hard you know right uh, hard pieces of pop of corn to pray, and um that's extreme- Re- like uh, extreme religion like you know, and um to me. I, oh, I've got so excited about, because that see that film is so amazing. I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, no, but that, that, that's what I am saying. That, to me, you know, most people that are religious would look at that and go, well, that's too far, too right. much. Too much. You know what I mean? But everything that happens in Life of Brian about how people are, You know, like following Brian around, and you know, (laughs) offering him their shoes, and you know, all of this thing. Like, any normal person would look at that and go, "All right, too far, too much." (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But there's, you know, it's that's how they. That's how I think. Like, um, people that have religious views that don't watch Life of Brian because they think they're going to be offended should look at it. It's not. They're not being offensive about religion they're being offensive or well, not even offensive but they're just you know making fun of the people that interpret it in their own way and just go way too far with it
1: right yes
0: does that make sense i think i just wanted to sense. get St. maud in there at some point
1: <laughs> it, no no it makes complete but, um, sense.
0: yeah but it's you know it's no different than you know, I don't remember when Holy Grail came out and there's a chat show with John Cleese, Michael Palin and some medieval knights sitting there going, I think I'm really offended by the way that you've represented us in this film. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: You Horrible people. We are not like yeah, that.
0: We're not like that, you know. And why did you, you know, show one of us willing to lose every single limb rather than, you know, let the man pass? <laughs> <laughs> it's a mere flesh wound. Yeah, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> I've cut your bloody leg off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that we have hit on um, lots of different um, British comedy
1: yes, series. I, but I I, I, f- am, I, I did like... I, I did better than I thought I was going to. I was patting myself on the back.
0: Well, I do like that we're focusing more on Monty Python because I do think that um, I. And I do believe this, that Monty Python is the baseline to British comedy. I would agree. Um, I think before that, there was obviously like comedy series, but they were usually comedy series, you know, based around like the kitchen table. Do you know what I mean? Like more sitcom right? sort of uh, situation comedies and, you know. Most of them that they can't even show on television anymore because they're some of them are hideously racist.
1: So I could I could be wrong, but I really believe they put sketch comedy on the map. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, I completely believe that too. I think there's a lot lot of people have tried to um, to imitate that success, but I don't think because it's the right, it's the, the it's the people and the writing, and the the pairings, you know, because Monty Python, when they used to write, they used to write in pairs. Right. So, for example, Graham Graham Chapman would always write with um, John Cleese, and Eric Idle would write with Michael Palin. So there was this sort of, you know, they'd always come up with new, fresh ideas, and it wouldn't you know, they they wouldn't exhaust themselves because they were working in pairs. And I I think because of the people that they were, I don't think that there's been anything since because no, they I, were I, so I,
1: unique as human beings. Yeah, that's a that's a gem that comes around once in a lifetime, I think. Yeah.
0: It's the same with um in some respects, with Faulty Towers. Again, it's the... You know, it's the stars aligning and this g- great team of people coming together and right. writing something that is... You know, could only be made in Britain.
1: Right. Now totally.
0: Faulty Towers does have uh, a um, canned laughter track, but it was filmed in front of a live audience. But I think that you could... Take that track out, and you'd still laugh in exactly the same places, right? Because it's just brilliant. And I'm yeah. really excited, actually, about um, you watching that series and 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 really enjoying it, because I think uh,
1: that you know I will.
0: <laughs> it's right up your alley, mate.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is.
0: It's good. Oh. It, I mean, there's um, a few episodes in there that I. Would hold up to be some of the greatest comedy episodes of all time. One of them is Waldorf Salad,
2: um,
0: which involves two American guests arriving at the hotel. And <laughs> Mr. John Cleese, i.e., Basil Fawlty, um, gets very confused about their Americanisms. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Which is an absolute classic. And there is another one. um uh, Kipper, Kipper and the corpse is also a very, very funny episode where um, Basil Fawlty, John Cleese, takes a gentleman, his breakfast, but is so wrapped up in the daily politics and talking to him that he doesn't realise that the guy is dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then when the guy is ultimately discovered to be dead... He believes that he poisoned him with the kippers. <laughs> <laughs> and then spends the whole rest of the episode trying to cover up the fact that he might be a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's absolutely brilliant.
1: Oh, I can't It wait. is brilliant.
0: There's one episode called The Germans, which I think could be troublesome these days. If you like, we're looking into like sort of um, the way that, you know, people interact with each other from different nations. But it also has one of the best lines and probably the most memorable lines from Faulty Towers, which goes something like this. So some Germans come to visit the hotel and uh, Basil Faulty is going around to all the staff saying, don't mention the war, don't mention the war. whatever you do don't mention the war but who is the only person that mentions the war (laughs) (laughs) so the ultimately says the line to the receptionist don't mention the war i think i mentioned it once but i think i got away with it (laughs) and then one of the german guests get very upset start crying and he comes in and says what's wrong with her and he And the guy says, the German guy says, well, she's very upset because you keep mentioning the war. And Basil says, no, I didn't. And then he said, yes, you did. And then Basil says, well, you started it. And the German guy goes, no, I didn't. He went, yes, you did. You invaded Poland. (laughs) 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 So, um, I mean, it's really near the knuckle comedy these days. But if you asked anyone to quote a line from Fawlty Towers, I can guarantee you that that would be the line they quote. That's awesome. And it's a very witty line. Yeah, it is. That's awesome. Do you know what I mean? It is a yeah, very, very right. witty quip. But, um, no, I'm really, really excited for you to, to watch um, Fawlty Towers. Is there any other British comedy series that you've heard of that you haven't seen that might uh, tickle your pickle.
1: Oh, uh, I'm not sure.
0: Is there anything that you might have heard, like like whisperings of in the you know, in the underground comedy
1: dungeon? Ah, oh. I'm sure there probably has, and I can't, I can't think of it right Thank off.
0: Well, my, my suggestions would be for you to finish Faulty Towers and then move on to series four of Blackadder. Yes, that's definitely.
1: You. yes.
0: Because I think that Blackadder will completely and utterly change your um, opinion on Rowan Atkinson.
1: I'm going to hold you to that. I
0: hope you know. You can hold me as long as you like. <laughs> I might now, cry. Come- but <laughs> 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 but um, no, I do think that um, it will honestly change your opinion because I think that Mr. Bean is a very specific character that he plays. And I think where Rowan Atkinson's talents really lie is delivering a really scathing, you know, biting one-liner. Right. And making it hilarious
1: you know that's so that's what i'm looking for
0: yeah so i I just think that if anything happens at least just to let you know though just because i'm changing your opinion about rowan atkinson there is absolutely no way on god's earth you can change my opinion about james
1: corden
2: don't even try
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm not going to i i've discovered (laughs) i have discovered the why so that's that's all I was looking for.
2: Yeah,
0: you discovered the why. And um, just to let you know, that it has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that there was no cat bumholes in that film. That's not well, the reason why I had at James Corden.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna question that. I, I, I'm I'm pretty safe with the James Corden. You're you could probably probably care less if he has a butthole or not.
0: <laughs> no, I, I think you're yeah. That's a good assumption to know that I am not mad at him because of that reason. I am mad at him because he seems to be two completely different people.
1: He is completely turned into a
0: douchebag. Yes,
1: he is an absolute douchebag. You know what? I'm not even going to qualify him as a douchebag, I am going to qualify him as a douche nozzle. <laughs>
0: Well, this is, a, this is a quote from Blackadder and it's a quote that I would definitely apply to James Corden. Are you ready? Yes. They do say, Steve, that verbal insults hurt more than physical pain. They are, of course, wrong, as you will soon discover when I stick this toasting fork into your head.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So... And also, uh,
0: this is one of my favorites. This is my last Blackadder quote, so don't want to spoil it for me. So, Steve, believe me, eternity in the company of Beelzebub and all his hellish instruments of death will be a picnic compared to me and five minutes with this
1: pencil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> okay, this is a complete uh, 180 on uh, Rowan Atkinson.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just flicking through uh, random uh, <clears throat> blackout quotes now.
1: I'm I'm going to have to be cutting this short here soon. I have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm
1: just another gathering. life I've got to attend to. <laughs> real, real life. Real life. Goodness me.
0: Um, and here's one that you can use to anyone who you think is um. A bit stupid. But I'm I'm replacing the word Baldrick with your name, which is a bit unfair, but I'll just do it for comedy. <laughs> so Steve, your head is as empty as a eunuch's underpants. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's that's great.
0: So okay, so let's let's um let's sum this up then. So um, we are obviously huge Monty Python fans. Yes. Um, your assignment, um, for as long as you want it, is to uh, watch Forty Towers and Blackadder.
2: Yes. Is there w- an
0: American comedy series that maybe you could recommend for me? Oh,
1: wow. You just threw me a curveball. Um, I
0: did. didn't see that coming.
1: Well, I would say, like... I would say like Family Guy, but apparently you've already watched Family Guy.
0: I've watched Family Guy up to probably like maybe three or four years ago. I think right. recently I've struggled with it.
1: You struggled with it, okay? Yeah.
0: Do you find um, do you, are you still loving it, or do you, are you struggling with it a little bit?
1: I I I love it just for the dumb humor. Like it, I yeah. I'm a sucker for. The, the stupid humor a lot of times, I mean there's huge
0: dollops of Monty Python in Family Guy. You can tell that Seth MacFarlane is a huge python fan,
1: right, and he's a huge uh like Star Wars buff, yes,
0: I love the uh the Star Wars parodies they did,
1: yes, they were brilliant, very good um I'm gonna have to i'm gonna uh, when I talk to you next, I will recommend something because i'm I am i trying to think. From what I feel you would like, um, I'm yeah. going to have to, I'm going to have to think about it for a minute.
0: Okay. Well, don't think it has to be anything that doesn't have a laughter track. <laughs> it can <laughs> not- have a laughter track. I'm not allergic to them. Yeah.
1: Well, because you know when to laugh.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely. In fact, that's probably gotten me into a lot of trouble in life because I know it, when it, to it laugh. Got-
1: yeah. It's gotten me divorced.
0: And sometimes I know when not to laugh, but I just laugh anyway.
1: <laughs> See, we're in the same boat. Yes. My ex, there my ex-wife, some... my ex-wife's quote to me was, "Can you not take anything seriously?"
2: <laughs>
0: to which your answer was, "Nope." As you're swinging from the chandelier. <laughs>
1: No, my response was, I was married to you for four and a half years, wasn't I? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm making notes of these. I'm making notes. (laughs) Excellent. Well, Steve, I'll let you get off and deal with your um, everyday normal existence.
1: Once again, sir, it was an absolute delight talking to you. Anybody that was listening or is listening now, I thank you so 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 much. And I'm putting out there the fact that I already talked to Foe, the other the other lady I do like talks with. Um, I gotta check out their terms of service, but um, I would like to. I have the means to, um, not probably every day of the week, but um, I would like to if. If I get a growing, if we get a growing fan base going, um, to uh, maybe do something like a uh, like winning a prize of some sort.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I, I think mean, that would be awesome. I, I
0: own, I own so much physical media, but I do need to get rid of some of it.
2: So.
1: <laughs> right. Right, and about. And- Mine, mine might fall on the side of a monetary gain too so uh, i'm still oh, okay, working yeah, out right. the details
0: so what are you gonna, what are you saying you're you're going to pay me <laughs> 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 because i've got three i've got three copies of x men 3 the last stand that was what i was going <laughs> to give away but <laughs>
1: hey you know what that's fine that is absolutely fine
0: really it's a yeah. terrible film <laughs> It's so bad that I was bought it three times and it's still in the plastic wrapper.
1: You have not you have not learned anything then. <laughs> <laughs> if you make oh, okay. a mis- if you make the same mistake three times in a row, yeah. I can't the world will not be able to help you, Keith. I know. What's the
0: quote that George Bush delivered so well? <laughs> Hurt me once, shame on the monkeys. <laughs> Hurt me twice. Shame on, I don't know the (laughs) eunuchs. I (laughs) I think that's what he said.
1: Yeah,
0: we got Uh, a voice message. We we always get voice messages when we're about to say goodbye. Go
1: ahead.
2: Y'all are the funniest.
1: Oh, (laughs) I don't, I don't know if that's sarcasm, but I love it. Yeah, thanks, mom. Was that your mom?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the only human being that's ever said that I'm the funniest.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm following you for just for the sheer fact that I love that you said that we were funny. I don't know. Yes. I don't know how funny. Yeah, definitely.
0: Follow. Um So, yeah, thanks so much, Steve. We'll arrange something again very soon. We'll come up with um, something interesting.
1: Um, Like like I said, probably during the week time is the best, and probably during my morning time is the best.
0: Yeah, for me too. Me too. So That's perfect, because that's sort of lunchtime for me, so I can can scoff something down and then have the energy to, to keep up
1: and for for you uh uh making fun of uh uh the bush clan <laughs> we're now we're now gonna put you in our axis of evil <laughs> so that's that's keith that's Iran Iraq, and one of those Koreas. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think I think we could probably I think I could get down with that, have a little bit of a boogie with the rack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now god Although, God dang it, it, Keith. If you start talking about us Texans one more time, I'm gonna have to take <laughs> my pro, propane gun and shoot you.
0: Excellent. Right, let's have some quick impressions. Can you please say goodbye to me as um as
1: drunk Christopher Walken? Oh my God! Drunk Christopher walking. All right, it, it's already. You know what? That might hide the fact that I've been out of practice with my Christopher walking, so that that might actually help. Okay. Yeah. you you know, Keith, you're crazy, <laughs> and I I don't know if it's because you're British, <laughs> or if you're just loony in the head. but I'm glad that there's this much ocean between us (laughs) because another shot of tequila and I'm going (laughs) to do something that you're not going (laughs) to like
0: (laughs) that was really good oh really good I think we're going to have to do a whole podcast where we choose a character and we're not allowed to come out of character at all. Oh, that
1: would be fun. That would be a... F- oh my God, that would be fun. That would be
0: fun. We'll discuss that. I've got to try and come up with a character first. And being British, you know, I have to go and do some proper, you know, right. research. Like go proper methods like Daniel Day-Lewis and go and stand in a lake for three days.
1: I yeah. You know <laughs> what I think I would do that too.
0: Okay, let's let's do method together.
1: While standing in cold water shriveling our balls. Yeah, absolutely. And I, mean, everything...
0: I live in the UK. That's 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 a daily occurrence. <laughs> and it's getting
1: cold enough here that, yeah, I think that I could pull that off as well.
0: Yay! Right, go and go and live your life.
1: All right. I, I love everybody equally. Amazing. I love everybody equally. There's not one person I hold higher than the other except for the people that say that I'm funny.
0: (laughs) Well, you are funny and you're very accepting and um, I can't wait to speak to you again.
1: All right. Be good. You too. Take care.
0: Ciao. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Films I Love Most podcast. Don't forget, you can get involved on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search Films I Love Most podcast or email us at Podcast at yahoo.com. Thank you very much and look forward to seeing you next time here on the Films I Love Most podcast.